Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The 2020 MLB season will be one like any other that we have seen before. A 60-game sprint in just over two months to decide who will be playing in October in a format that lends itself to the unpredictable. But that's where Greg Peterson comes in. He's got you covered daily, highlighting elements and angles that will be essential to know along with his picks with every single game on every single day. Now it is time for the Baseball Betting podcast with Greg Peterson. Warm hello, welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson, we've got a tremendous show for you. The MLB postseason is upon us and here to talk to me about the AL matchups and just what we might notice from an interesting team out there in the National League, that would be Dylan Burst. He does great work with both Diamond Digest and Pitcherless. Going to have a great chat with him in the second segment about a key hitter that could be pivotal for a series in the National League, these American League series for Tuesday. So going to have a great time with that in the final segment. I do give you a sign total on all four postseason games for Tuesday and something I like to call touch them all. Obviously, we did not have any results from Monday, so with that said, it's going to be a little bit of a shorter first segment, but I do always love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. If there is something that you'd like to answer, fire that into my Twitter timeline at JRSquarty1. As per usual, if you send these via direct message, aka DM, well, letters DM to me, me does not matter. If you'd like as well, you could send in an Apple Podcast review, leave a comment, segment idea, concern, what have you. I will address that on the podcast as well, and by rating five stars, you actually give this podcast a little bit more exposure as well, so I always appreciate that. And we did get in a pair of questions today, so 
let's get into it. So you have questions, and Greg may or may not have any insight into them, but let's dive into the Twitter mailbag. And today's Twitter mailbag is brought to you by my good friends at MyBookie, because with MyBookie, they realize that sports are back. The MLB postseason begins today. As we know, college basketball is going to be coming up on November 25th. I am getting very hyped about that. You've got the NHL Stanley Cup, which just wrapped up, but you're able to fire in on futures on all these leagues, whether it be the NFL, the upcoming NHL season, once we do figure out a little bit more with regards to that. Obviously, you've got the NBA Finals that's going on, football's back in our lives, and so much more. And what's better than being able to bet on all the action being able to get your first deposit doubled to be able to make all those bets count a little bit more. Use my promo code GREG if you want to get your first deposit doubled up to $1,000. Rollover does apply, but just type in the letters G-R-E-G and you wind up getting that first deposit doubled. No special characters, no members discounts or anything like that. Just G-R-E-G and you're able to get that first deposit doubled on whatever you'd like to bet. So a big thanks to my bookie for sponsoring the Twitter Mailbag today. And the first question we get in is from One More Bet. You can follow him on Twitter at One More Bet One. It actually might be a she as well. There is no profile picture. So either way, it is One More Bet on Twitter. And they ask at GNRSquarty1, how does team totals win-lose work with the St. Louis Cardinals since they did not play 60 games? This is one in which it is the good old mantra of check your house rules. Now I can tell you that a lot of the places that I bet at, you needed 59 games for there to be action. Like I do some work out there at the South Point with the Vegas Edison Information Network. They were 59 games, I believe circa, where I wound up getting the Pittsburgh Pirates under 25 wins. They had 59 games as the magic number to be having action as well, but there certainly are some books out there that sometimes Zol tickets wound up having action. Now, obviously, they'd be playing a dangerous game. I'm sure that there were a few to none that had that, but I wouldn't doubt if there were a couple books that maybe had like a 57, 58, but in a lot of cases, it was 59. Just check your house rules just in case because we always have had some very interesting situations when it comes to books. We saw that all come to the forefront when you wound up having things shut down due to COVID in March when it came to future season wins or what have you. And then we get this one in from Thomas. You can follow him on Twitter at MITT1993. Yes, at GNRSquarty1. Did you place any bets individually on these series in addition to your individual games? And this is one of these things where I am not... Not much of a series, futures, what have you better to begin with. And I did not in this case. A big reason why is because we've just seen it throughout this Major League Baseball season. All the shuffling when it comes to pitchers. You're really not going to have any days off as well. Obviously, it's not going to pertain as much to the three-game series. It's much easier to get things set up for this series. But you wind up having a team maybe play a three-game series, and then they wind up having to dive into the next series with pretty much no time off. You could see some pitching changes late. As we know, the reporters have a little bit less access to these teams, so if there winds up being an unexpected injury, player winds up testing positive for COVID, you're not really going to know about that. And plus, in my opinion, series prices aren't necessarily the best way to be able to get bang for your buck. If you really like, say, the LA Dodgers, for example, I would think that if you just wind up placing two bets on the money line, if you really think that they're going to steamroll the Milwaukee Brewers, you'd be able to get a better number 
when it comes to just winning both of those bets rather than if you would have just taken the series price and then you're able to do something called rolling parlay as well. So let's say the Dodgers wind up getting down 1-0 to to the Milwaukee Brewers because by some sort of Herculean feat they wind up getting a win which I still don't know who they're going to have pitching on Wednesday. If it is Josh Lindblom, who knows? If it's Brent Suter, who knows? But certainly it's going to be fascinating to see what happens there. But let's say that they get down 1-0. to zero. If you think that the Dodgers are going to come back and they're going to win the series, what you might want to do is just wind up putting your standard one unit on the money line in that second game and then just roll over that one unit plus the winnings and put it on game number three. And I would think that you'd get actually a better price than if you just wound up taking the series price even after game one. So that is something that I would recommend to you guys. I just feel like there's such better ways to be able to maximize the bang for your buck rather than taking the series price. And if you wind up taking the series price, you're locked in with it. Let's say that you are very bullish on the New York Yankees, but let's say that in Game 1, Aaron Judge winds up breaking every bone in his body because after a Game 1 win, he falls off the roller coaster using the dodgeball reference, and then you wind up having Raldis Chapman literally have his arm eaten off by an alligator. I mean, obviously, I just threw out the most extreme examples ever because it is 2020, and you know what? We could actually see that happen, but with that said, let's say that you just have mass exodus injuries, something unforeseen happens to a couple guys. If you wind up taking the series price, you're locked in. You have no option to be able to get back out. Meanwhile, if you're betting in individually, you're maybe doing the rolling parlay, you're taking it game by game, you have much more flexibility with it. So that's why I just really don't get involved with these series prices and have not in this spot. But I do appreciate the questions you guys made for a fun first segment. A little bit of a shorter one, but you know what? It's not about the length of the segment. It is all about the information. Hopefully I gave you some good stuff there. And I think that we're going to get some tremendous stuff from Dylan Burris on the other side. He does terrific work with Pitcher List and Diamond Digest. Going to be talking to him about the games that are going to be coming up on Tuesday in the American League wildcard series along with a player on a National League team that could have a big impact with his bet. That's on the other side right here on the Baseball Bank Podcast. Myself, Craig Peterson. Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline. And we are back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson, and it's great to be joined by our next guest as this is a guy that does a great job writing for a pair of wonderful sites. He is a writer for Diamond Digest, and he also does terrific work with PitcherList. You guys may know that site because Alex Fasso has joined this podcast quite a few times. He does some tremendous work there, as it is Dylan Burris joining me on the podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Burris Dylan. That is all together. And Burris is spelled B-U-R-R-I-S as we go out to the great state of North Carolina to welcome on Dylan. And it's great to have you aboard. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. And I know that you, much like myself, are very into this postseason. I know a couple days ago for Pitcher List, you wound up coming up with a very interesting article on Wilson Contreras. Talk about that article a little bit because the Cubs enter in this postseason, in my opinion, being one of the more streaky teams that we've seen out there in baseball because they've, ironically enough, been one of the top teams at being able to score runs when they've been on the road. Meanwhile, at home, the offense has really sputtered, and it's just been really hard to get a read on this team in general. Yeah, I mean, I am a Cubs fan, and it's been a rough year having to watch this offense. I mean, as you said, they've been inconsistent, but really hit their streak in the postseason. They've been supported by sort of the bottom of the lineup, guys like Jason Hayward. And instead, the main guys, Rizzo, Baez, Chris Bryant, all just ice cold at the plate for pretty much the whole 60-game season. One guy, yeah, I took a look at was uh, Wilson Contreras. He's not 
doing great, I would say, this season. But he had a good game the other day against uh, the White Sox, hit two homers. I took a look at his sort of stat cast peripherals, and I think it's actually pretty encouraging. I mean, yeah, he's walking a little bit less than normal. He's striking out a little bit more than normal. But he's hitting the ball harder than he has ever hit the ball. His hard hit rate and average exit velocity are both the highest of his career. And he's also elevating the ball more than he ever has. He's got the highest average launch angle of his career. He's got the career best in sweet spot percentage. It feels like he's still hitting the ball in a way that should be successful. There aren't really a whole lot of reasons I can find that he's struggling so much, which makes me think it might honestly just be bad luck. Sample size, his expected WOBA is actually higher than it was last year when you know was behind Mitch Garver, probably the best offensive catcher in the league. So I really think that he's one of those guys that could just have it click and just tear through the postseason, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It should be very fascinating to see what happens during this postseason because we know this. When we saw the postseason last year, it did seem like the ball was dejuiced a little bit more. And as a result, you really saw those offensive numbers come down. We know that postseason baseball is just different in so many different aspects than regular season baseball. If you see someone like a Kenta Maeda wind up struggling for the Minnesota Twins on Tuesday, you got to think that the Minnesota Twins are going to be much more likely to go to their bullpen, a bullpen that has been relatively solid, than they would be, say, in the regular season. I don't know how you break down this postseason, these best of three matchups, but I think it's going to be so fascinating to see how these match, how these managers wind up maneuvering things because I think we're going to see things that are very similar to what we saw during the 2019 wildcard games. I am a person that is from the state of Wisconsin myself, and I still remember the Washington Nationals bringing out Steven Strasburg out of the bullpen, which during the regular season obviously would be very outlandish. But I think in this best of three series, we could see things like this happen. Yeah, I'd agree. And, and I mean, I really think that pitching is the key to winning in the postseason. So if you have a good arm in your bullpen and it's game three, like why not throw him out there in the eighth inning, see if he can, you know, give you even just one good inning that could be better than what the rest of your bullpen could provide. I totally agree, as we do have Dylan Burris joining me on the podcast. And Dylan, when it comes to Tuesday, the American League teams are going to be taking center stage. We've got game one of all of those series. I know that you're someone that has been able to do a great job of identifying some of these various teams. And I know that you've seen quite a bit of the Chicago team since you just mentioned that you're a Cubs fan. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see what the White Sox are able to provide. They wound up ending the year playing against the Chicago Cubs for a set of three. And they come in on a little bit of a slide as the Cubs were able to take two of three in that series. It just feels like this White Sox team is a little bit intermiss. Their offense at the middle of the year was absolutely explosive. But it feels like this is a team that could be a little bit all or nothing. And they're going to be going up against an Oakland A's team that, as I'm doing this podcast right now, is yet to announce their starter. But we know this with the Oakland A's. They just have good all-around pitching and one of the best bullpens in the league. Yeah, I'm really excited about watching this matchup. Like you said, White Sox are so streaky. I mean, they've never really been in the postseason quite like this with all these guys. And I think they could beat anybody in the postseason, but they could also lose to pretty much anybody. And while I think the A's are going to struggle a little bit offensively, they lost Matt Chapman, and that's tough on defense and for what his bat gives you. But you're right, they have just one of the best all-around pitching staffs in the majors. So again, if I'm going with my sort of idea of pitching wins in the postseason, then it seems hard to think the A's 
can lose this. We know who's going to be going in the Yankees versus Indians game one. That'd be Garrett Cole versus Shane Bieber. This is going to be an absolutely tremendous matchup, in my opinion. Now, Garrett Cole wound up giving up 14 home runs. If that wasn't the most out there in the American League, it was darn near the top of it. But he still was able to do a very good job towards the back half of the season. He winds up coming in, having pitched at least seven innings, giving up one run or fewer in each out of his last three starts. Seems like he's finally getting used to pitching in New York. Meanwhile, Shane Bieber, I think by all accounts, is going to be taking the AL Cy Young. I mean, I know like Kenta Maeda's had a really nice year, guys like that, but I think that you've got to give it to Shane Bieber. 122 punch-outs, 12 quality starts. I mean, this guy has been absolutely masterful. I don't know what you see out of this game, but this is certainly going to be an interesting spot that if the Indians can even get like two runs for Shane Bieber, that might be enough because I think that this has all the makings of a game in which first team gets the three wins. Yeah, and I mean, you're right, but I don't know if I can see Cleveland getting two runs even for Bieber. Their offense is just so bad this year. I mean, they have the pieces. They have guys like Carlos Santana that is not playing well this season, but we know he can. So, you know, maybe things click kind of like the Cubs. They got the pitching. If the offense just kind of gets hot at the right time, they could go on a really deep run. But it's hard to see. I mean, I think they're one of the very worst offenses in the whole league. And going up against Garrett Cole is just going to be really tough for that lineup. Yeah, it certainly is going to be. And I think that the Yankees in general are just a fascinating team because I could see them actually losing to the Indians in this series. I think that this is the matchup that the Yankees would probably want the least because even though the Cleveland Indians, let's face it, they just haven't been good with their offense. They looked a little bit better towards the back half of the year. And when it comes to the most dangerous pitching staffs out there in baseball, I'd be hard-pressed to not put the Cleveland Indians at number one. And it feels like Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Sand, from what I saw from them last week or so of the season, they still are trying to ease their way back into the lineup. They just don't seem to be 100%. And that, to me, is a big white flag when it comes to the pinstripes. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, while the Indians have Carlos Carrasco, they got Plesak, they got all these guys behind Bieber, the Yankees mostly just have Cole. Tanaka's been all right. Hap has has actually been playing really well over the last month and a half, but he can't quite match up against that sort of starting rotation that Cleveland's going to be able to put out there. Plus, you know, the Yankees have a good bullpen for sure, but the Indians have a better one. And so while the Yankees have this great offense that could kind of get them there, they got a really tough, <laughs> tough road ahead. Oh, no doubt about it. As we do have Dylan Burst of Pitcher List and Diamond Digest joining me on the podcast. And I am really intrigued to see what we're going to get out of this Rays versus Blue Jays series as well. Because I just take a look at the Tampa Bay Rays at 40 and 20. They are no doubt a rock solid team. But when it comes to the Tampa Bay Rays, we have seen them lose some games, which they really shouldn't lose. They've had some difficulties this year with the Baltimore Orioles. The Toronto Blue Jays has actually played them very competitively this year as well. Now with the Blue Jays, we really saw their bullpen falter towards the second half of the year. Meanwhile, the Tampa Bay Rays, they've got some of the best bullpen depth that we could identify out there in the big leagues. But also when it comes to the Tampa Bay Rays, you really don't have that guy in the lineup that you really need to fear. Meanwhile, with the Blue Jays, I feel like they've got a little bit of a leg up when it comes to their mashers. Yeah, that Blue Jays lineup, it's young. You know, it's kind of like the White Sox. They're young, but they're explosive. And if they just, you know, kind of get hot at the right time, they could really pile on the runs. The Rays, I think, they're so good all around. I mean, they have a great sort of first three in their rotation. They've got one of the best bullpens. They've got a really good offense. Like you said, they don't really have like that one guy who can just, you got to be terrified when he's up at bat. But 
you know, they have so many guys that can hurt you, really utilize platoons and, and making sure they have, you know, the left-handed hitters when they need them and the right-handed hitters when they need them. And they just really approach the game in a way that, that is really tough to go against. But you're right, I think they won six out of ten or something matchups against the Blue Jays during the regular season. And a couple of those were, you know, very close walk-off type of games. So there's no doubt the Blue Jays could very easily take the whole series if they really get hot at the right time. I agree with you as we do have Dylan Burst joining me on the podcast. And I know that we were just talking about this with the race, not necessarily having that one guy that's able to explode and is really able to give this team a lot of pop when it comes to lineup. But is there maybe a guy under the radar? It can be from any of these 16 teams in the postseason that might be flying a little bit under the radar and really could be that difference maker, maybe delivering that big hit, that big home run, maybe even just in RBI in general, that could maybe swing a series because I take a look at some of these guys and I know we were talking about the Indians offense not necessarily being so solid, but I think that the emergence of Jose Ramirez really helps them out in their series against the Yankees. Oh, definitely. If Fran Mill Reyes or Carlos Santana, you know, really just get the one hit when they need to, that can be the difference in that whole matchup. I did want to highlight uh, Jay Happ, who I talked about a minute ago. You know, he's probably going to be the number three, so, you know, there's a chance he doesn't even have to pitch, but he's really turned it around. There was a great article in Pitcher List by my colleague, Matt Wallach, who looked into how Hap struggled so much last year and in the first couple starts this year, but then his change in sinker usage has, you know, I think since, what is it, August 16th or something like that, about a month and a half, he's got an ERA under two. He's just been lights out, and so... A lot of people may not have realized how dialed in he is right now. And if you can get a starter to go out there and just pitch six scoreless innings or something like that in a postseason game, particularly an elimination game, which it most likely would be, that can be worth any number of home runs in the postseason, I think. I agree with you. I do think that Jay Happ has really been able to turn it on. I still remember last year, even though he had a winning record, he was giving up right around two home runs per nine innings. His first three or four starts of this year, they were absolutely anemic, but he has certainly found the fountain of youth. How? Why? I have absolutely no idea, but he's been pitching some of the best baseball that he has in a long time. And Dylan, we've got one more series that's going to be starting up on Tuesday. That'd be the Astros and the A's. In my opinion, this is the one that might have the most intrigue when it comes to Perhaps beanballs, guys getting into fights, because we all remember the Ramon Laureano situation from earlier this year. That was absolutely dynamic. But when it comes to on the field, I feel like this one's the most lopsided. You take a look at the Astros, losing record for the year. They come in, I believe, scoring four runs or fewer in like 15 out of their last 18 games. I know that the Oakland A's certainly have not necessarily been doing the best job when it comes to just overall batting average, but they make their hits count. I just don't see any way the Astros are going to be able to pull out this series. And if I think that there is one favorite that I would be looking at the most, and if I had to ride one favorite the most to be able to make it out of this wild card series in the American League, it certainly would be the A's. Yeah, I think the Astros have just limped into the postseason. It doesn't feel like they totally deserve to be here. They've got Granky, the colors has pitched pretty well, but their bullpen hasn't been nearly as dominant as it has been the last few years. Their offense has really struggled. I really think that the Astros are, are going to be gone in two games, whereas I think the rest of the series will most likely go three games. And I think the Twins, I mean, they've got Maeda, who has been on fire this year got a great bullpen their offense is you know a little streaky but 
really capable. I would say of the four series that will be starting tomorrow, I think the Twins are the ones that are going to get it done in two games. Yeah, this is certainly one of these with the Houston Astros in which I just don't know if they're going to be able to put up three runs in either of these games. The Minnesota Twins, for as much as we talk about them setting a record for home runs in a season in 2019, the pitching has been terrific. They're sending out their Kenta Maeda for game one. I just really question what we're going to be able to get out of the Houston Astros. One thing that I don't question, though, the terrific work of Dylan Burris. You do absolutely terrific work with Diamond Digest along pitcher list. So let the good people at home know what you're working on right now and how they're able to follow along with all of your work on social media and elsewhere. Yeah, well, the pitcher list season is sort of wrapping up along with the regular season, but we'll still be putting out tons of articles, tons of content following the postseason. Yeah, keep an eye on that as we go through the next few weeks of really exciting postseason baseball. It is going to be an absolutely tremendous month of baseball. I think that very few would have bet money that we would be at this spot right now, which we completed a regular season, and we're going into a postseason. I think even fewer before they announced the expansion of the playoffs would have thought that we would have had a 16-team playoff, but here we are right now. It's been a strange 2020, but Dylan Burris has been there every step of the way. So big thanks to him for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. Coming up next, it is that time of the podcast. I give you a signed total on every game on Tuesday's MLB betting board. It's something I like to call Touch Em All. Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion. We're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. A big thanks to Dylan Burris doing terrific work out there with Pitcherless and Diamond Digest for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time the podcast. I give you a sign total on every game on the Tuesday MLB Betting Board, the postseason MLB Betting Board, and something I like to call touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at JRSCORTY1. As per usual, we are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order, and fortunately we actually know the pitchers in these games, so a little bit less confusion here, which is always nice, and we begin with 931-932 on the MLB betting board. The New York Yankees hit the road to face off against the Cleveland Windians. Shane Bieber fever is on the bump for Cleveland. Meanwhile, Garrett Cole is on the bump for the New York Yankees. You're tall on this game. Ranging between 6 and 6.5. Six and With the 6, you're going to find the over at minus 120. The under is even. Flip it for 6.5. Under is minus 120. The over is even. If you're looking at the Cleveland Indians, anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. With the Yankees, anywhere between even and minus 110. So, pretty much this is a relatively pick'em game. And this is one that I wrote up for the New York Post. And I am all aboard the under because you take a look at these two pitchers. They are very stellar. Bieber, in all 12 of his starts, has given up three runs or fewer. Meanwhile, Garrett Cole wound up giving up 14 home runs. That's towards the top of the big leagues, but despite the fact they gave up all those home runs, he was still able to muster out, in my opinion, a pretty solid season. 284 ERA, 7-3 record, 94 punch outs in 73 innings. That's still doing something. You take a look at his last three starts. Seven innings in all of them. He gave up in his last three starts, which is a combined 21 innings, a grand total of 10 hits, two runs, one home run, and three walks. So, he comes in on top of his game for Bieber. 
He has been waning a little bit more towards the end of the year. He wound up going five innings in two out of his last four starts, but this is still someone that has racked up at least eight punch outs in every one of his starts so far this year. If you've been taking his K props, you've been doing very good. 10 out of his 12 starts have wound up going under, and for the Cleveland Indians, we are starting to see a couple signs of life when it comes to this offense. The biggest one is Jose Ramirez. He is hitting at 292, 386 on base, was able to give the team a double digit amount of home runs, I believe 16 on the campaign at last check. You also have Cesar Hernandez, who's sitting right around 280. Framil Reyes closed out the year with a little bit more of a charge after the beginning of the year was rough. And speaking of rough, you got quite a few guys that, let's face it, they're not necessarily getting the job done at the plate. Jordan Luplo, Roberto Perez, Austin Edges, Oscar Marcado, along with Carlos Santana, all hitting a 200 or lower during the regular season. But Lionel DeShields Jr., when he's able to get on base, he's solid 252 batting average, good at ceiling bases. And then on the flip side for the New York Yankees, you obviously get back John Carlos Stanton and Aaron Judge. No question that is big. Luke Voigt, I don't know about you, but he was feeling 22, 22 home runs so far this year. But then you've got TJ LeMay, who hits a 364. I gotta say this, so ever since Aaron Judge wound up coming off the injured list, not necessarily a lot doing for him at the plate. I mean, in his last three games, he's got a combined two hits in those three games. So that is something that you do want to note. It's one of these cases in which Glaber Torres has been a little bit out and cold. 356 on base, but a 243 batting average. Brett Gardner hit a 225 this year, along with Aaron Hicks. I will say Gio Urshel has been doing a solid job. He's hitting nearly 300. He was actually, out of all the injured Yankees, probably the one that was the best coming off the injured list. I just have a feeling that this is going to be a lower scoring game. You got to feel like Zach Britton or Roldis Chapman going to be on deck for the Yankees and for the Cleveland Indians. Top five bullpen ERA guys like James Karinchek. Brad and Oliver Perez, they have done a terrific job for this team. Going to be going with this little under. I think that Bieber gives a little bit more than Mr. Garrett Cole. I think that the emergence of Jose Ramirez is big for this Cleveland Indians team. So we're going to take the Indians and the under. 933-934 on the betting board is up next. Houston Astros hit the road faceoff against the Minnesota Twins. Kenta Maeda is going to be going for the Twinkies. Meanwhile, Zach Greinke is on the bump for the Houston Astros. Total on this game is 7.5 with a 7.5. Over is anywhere between minus 115 and even. The under is anywhere between minus 105, minus 120. If you take a look at the Twins, you're laying anywhere between minus 160 and minus 170. Plus price with the Houston Astros is anywhere between plus 145 and plus 155. For Zach Greinke, things are not going well. Three plus runs given up in each out of his last seven starts. This is not vintage Zach Greinke. Not even close to it. Five innings or fewer in each out of his last three starts. I will say I've been pleasantly surprised by the Houston Astros bullpen. Andre Scrub, despite the fact that he's been giving out quite a few runs, his ERA is not one of a scrub. It is south of a 2-5. Luis Garcia has come out of the bullpen. He's been able to give this team a little bit of something along with guys like Brooks Raley, but what are you going to get out of this Houston Astros lineup? 15 out of their last 18 games, four runs or fewer. I mean, they just have not been able to get the job done. Jose Altuve, he just looks completely lost this year. He's hitting a 219. Jack Mayfield, Miles Straw, not that these are big names, but these guys have both stunk. If you have Dustin Garneau behind the plate, he's hitting well below the Mendoza line. You've got Yuli Gurriel hitting a 232. Alex Bregman, Eliemis Diaz, along with Josh Reddick hitting between a 240 and a 245. I will say George Springer really heated up towards the end of the year. 14 home runs. He's hitting a 265. And Michael Bramley, just a little bit of a steady Eddie guy at a 300. But I mean, this is a lineup that it's a shell of itself. Carlos Correa had five home runs this year. And then with Kenta Maeda, this guy has been very dominant. 6-1 record, 270 ERA. 
I will say, he did give up three plus runs in three out of his last five starts, but he is an innings eater. He's won at least five innings in, I believe, all but two of his starts. He's gotten at least seven strikeouts in each out of his last five starts. He's backed up by a bullpen that, by and large, has been very solid. Caleb Theobar has been a nice find for them. I will say that Tyler Rogers has been up and down for them. And then you had Sergio Romo, which it's hard to put a whole heck of a lot of faith in Sergio Romo, but Cody Sashek has been nice for this team. Matt Whistler has been absolutely terrific. He's got like a one ERA. And then you take a look at the lineup for the Minnesota Twins. Certainly is lacking a little bit of something, but Luis Arias coming back is big. He had a 321 during the regular season. They were missing his back for quite a while. You've got Eddie Rosario and Ore Blanco hitting between a 255 and a 260. I will say you got Mitch Garver, Alex Avila, Miguel Sano, Jake Cave, Max Kepler, along with the here Adrianza, all hitting a 230 or lower, so no doubt that's been pretty tough. Josh Donaldson has not necessarily been himself, though he does like to kick dirt on the plate, but you have Nelson Cruz, 303 batting average, really a 400 on base, 16 home runs, 33 RBI. Certainly was not able to get much going in the last part of the season. He has had one hit ever since September 18th, but I have a feeling that he's going to be able to get it going here. Zach Granke just does not look like himself. If there is one series I think might be a sweep, it is going to be this Houston Astros versus Minnesota Twins series, at least for the American League. I think that the Brewers also facing an uphill battle. We'll be talking about them on this podcast to break down that game tomorrow. But with that said, going to be taking the Minnesota Twins on the money line. I don't want any part of a run line with this postseason matchup, but I do think that the Minnesota Twins are going to tag Zach Granke for three plus runs once again. So we're going to be taking this total over. 935, 936 on the betting board is up next. It was expected to be perhaps Hunjin Ru would be getting the start for the Toronto Blue Jays. Instead, they decided that he is going to be pitching game two. So you've got Matt Shoemaker on the mound for the Toronto Blue Jays as they throw to face off against the Tampa Bay Rays and Blake Snell. If you're looking at the Rays, could be laying anywhere between minus 180 and as high as minus 195. Meanwhile, your plus price here with the Jays, anywhere between plus 165 and plus 175. this game range between seven and seven and a half. On the seven, over juice of minus 120, the under is even on the seven and a half. Under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Over is anywhere between even a minus 105. For Blake Snell, been a little bit of an up down year from. He certainly is still a very solid pitcher, but it's one of those things where I just didn't necessarily see a Cy Young winner from him so far this year. 4-2 record, 324 ERA, 63 punch outs of 50 innings is nice, but he also gave up 10 home runs. That's a big kryptonite, and as we know, the Toronto Blue Jays, they are very good at being able to take balls for a ride. You've got Vlair Guerrero Jr., who's doing a good job of being able to heat up towards the end of the year. He wound up ending the year with right around a 260-ish batting average. Randall Gritchick hitting a 275. Lords Guriel along with Bo Bichette, both hitting above a 3 and Kevon Biggio. It's done a great job of getting up Batting average is a 250, which is solid, but 375 on base. John Davis is a very similar player, 260 batting average, but 364 on base. Alejandro Kirk was a very good catcher for this team. I would like to see him perhaps get a start over Danny Jansen. Travis Schaub was able to give the team a little bit of something towards the end of the year. And then you take a look at the Tampa Bay Rays. Just a team in which you got enough guys that are able to get the job done. Because with Matt Shoemaker, I was speaking about the home runs that Blake Snell gave up during the regular season. He was 0-1, 471 ERA. In six starts, he won 20 and two-thirds innings. So he did not deliver much length whatsoever. He went north of five innings just once. Now, that's not necessarily as big of a requirement during the postseason. But he gave up at least three runs in three out of those last five starts as well. And now about getting tattooed for eight home runs in 28 and two-thirds innings. Now, the Rays aren't necessarily a team that is going to go out there 
here and go guns blazing, but Brandon Lauso gave the team 14 home runs on the campaign. You've got quite a few guys like uh, Randy Arizarana along with Joey Wendell that hit between a 280 and a 290. Mark Brusso is able to give this team right around a 300 as well. Now, I will say you've got Brett Phillips, Mike Zanino, Michael Perez, Yoshi Satsugo. These guys have been hitting right around the Mendoza line all year long, but Nate Lowe, despite the fact that he hit a 225, did a good job of being able to get on base for this team. Hunter Renfro is just useless. I mean, let's just call it what it is, but I think that the Tampa Bay Rays are going to be able to get to Shoemaker, and with the Toronto Blue Jays, towards the beginning of the year, they were very solid with the bullpen, but it looked like they were going to get Ken Giles back. Seems like he's had some injuries once again. We saw them tossing out there like Ross Stripling and guys like that out of the bullpen because you did notice that a few of these guys, especially Sean Yamaguchi, just were not getting the job done on the bullpen. I think that the Rays are going to give up a couple runs, but I think that they're certainly going to get to Shoemaker. So I'm going to be taking the over in this spot. And this is the one game in which I feel comfortable on the run line. I'm seeing a lot of plus 105 when it comes to the Rays run line. This might change a little bit come the morning, but we're going to be taking that and this total over. And we're at things up with 937, 938 on the bang board. Chicago White Sox hit the road to face off against the Oakland A's. Asus Lazardo goes for the A's. Meanwhile, Lucas Giolito is on the bump for the White Sox. If you're looking at the self-siders, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 117 and minus 125. Your plus price here with the A's, you're going to be getting anywhere between plus 105 and plus 113. Total on this game is 7.5, and the 7.5 has juice on the over and the under anywhere between even and minus 120. So you want to shop around accordingly there, but I am seeing a lot more books with regards to the under. A couple of select books like Pinnacle have been leaning a little bit more towards the over, and this is a spot in which I am actually going to be gravitating towards that over because with Lucas Giolito, we saw him get hit around a little bit, and what's very interesting about the Chicago White Sox is that they are 14-0 and this year against left-handed starting pitchers. That is a ridiculous set, and they're 0-8 in their last eight in Oakland, so it's a good old something's got to give situation with Lucas Giolito, 4-3 record, 3-48 ERA. He obviously had that no-hitter, and ever since then, he has given up three-plus runs in four out of his last five starts, and the other start came on the road against the Cleveland Indians, so he certainly has been a little bit of a heat-check guy, but I will say seven plus punch outs in four out of his last five starts. He has still managed to go at least five and two-thirds innings in each out of his last four starts as well. He has done a good job of limiting the long ball. Eight home runs in 72 and a third innings, but we know this, that the Oakland ballpark plays a little bit different towards the daytime than the nighttime. This is a noon Pacific three- p.m. Eastern starts, so you don't have to worry about the marine layer or anything like that. And for Asus Lazardo, he's been a little bit all over the place so far this year. He has given up at least three runs in three out of his last five starts, but one of those starts, he looked absolutely masterful against the San Francisco Giants. Not necessarily the swing and miss stuff I expected. 59 strikeouts and 59 innings. He gave out 17 walks during the season as well, and it was just very cyclical because he wound up having a four-start stretch in which he gave up one walk, and then his last start against the Dodgers now it is the Dodgers, but he gave up three walks in three innings, so he has been a little bit of a something's-got-to-give sort of guy. You just don't know what to expect there, but you do know that with the Oakland A's, they're going to back him up with an absolutely superb open. Lou Trevino, if you wind up getting to the ninth inning with the lead, Liam Hendricks, J.B. Wendelkin, these guys have been terrific out of the bullpen, Joaquin Soria, and for the Chicago White Sox, it should not be understated that they've got Aaron Bummer back in the bullpen. He was a guy that had a sub-2 ERA last year. He looked very good before he wound up going on the injured list, but Matt Foster has really emerged as someone that this team is able to rely upon. Garrett Crochet, 
who wound up spending zero time whatsoever at the minor league level. He was drafted in this year's MLB draft. He's a guy that throws 100 for like 10 plus pitches in his outings. It's absolutely masterful. I do think that Lucas Giolito is going to do a little bit of a better job than Lazardo. I think that the starting pitchers give up most of these runs, which is why I'm going to take this total over and I'm going to ride with the Chicago White Sox. And that will wrap things up for the Baseball Betting Podcast on this Tuesday. A big thanks to Dylan Burris of Diamond Digest along with Pitcherless for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcast: Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And if you rate five stars on this podcast, you support what I do, make it a little bit easier to gain a little exposure, so I appreciate that. And if you ever have a question for this podcast, fire it in my Twitter timeline at JRS41. Hopefully you're all safe, healthy, and doing well, and I will talk to you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.